We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's a brand new football season. Antonio Browns is with the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell with the Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed is where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using mybookie.com slash bluewire to sign up this year. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000. Only costs $100 to enter. All you've got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard, score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy people out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. You are listening to The Uncontested, an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can find our pods anywhere you download your podcasts and at bluewirepods.com. We are also on Twitter at the underscore uncontested and brought to you this week by mybookie.com, promo code bluewire. Hey, we are really excited about this episode today. This is the first episode 
of our multi-week season preview series. So we've gotten guests for every NBA team in the league, and we're interviewing those guests to talk about that team's season preview, what they can expect in the 2019-2020 season, how their summer went, et cetera, et cetera. And this is the first week every Monday from here on out for about the next seven or eight weeks, you can expect a season preview podcast. That will be in addition to our typical weekly Thunder podcast. So you're basically getting double duty from us. You're getting an NBA-wide season preview pod and your regular Thunder pod every week. That'll carry us up right up to the preseason of the NBA season. After that, a lot more Thunder pods coming your way. So this week, the three teams that we did the season preview for was the Knicks, the Bulls, and the Hawks. Uh, Some really awesome guests for the Knicks. We got the guys from the Knicks Wall podcast. For the Bulls, we got a guest from the Cash Considerations podcast. And then for the Hawks, we got the host of Locked on Hawks. So it's, it's an awesome, awesome episode. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. Please go give these guests a follow. They're great guys. They really know their stuff. And without further ado, let's just jump right into it. Our first guest is from the Knicks Wall podcast. Taylor sat down and chat with, chatted with them for a while. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it and have a great week. So first off here, we are joined by fellow Blue Wire family members as our fearless leader hmm. uh, and CEO, Kevin Jones, likes to, likes to say. Um, some, uh, one of our guys here from the Knicks Wall is with us, Anthony Corvo. That's me. What's going on, everyone? You can find Anthony on Twitter at Corbo Anthony, his last name and his first name at C-O-R-B-O, Anthony. Uh, you can find him and his other two co-hosts of the Knicks Wall po- podcast at the Knicks Wall, and as well as at TKW Podcast. Is that right? Did I get that yeah, second one right? right? Awesome. We, uh, we couldn't get the full name in there. So we had <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I was going to say, so I actually, I followed you guys here probably about a year and a half ago just as a basketball fan and really right. enjoyed following the, the Knicks Wall uh, Twitter handle. And then you guys started the Knicks Wall Podcast and became a part of Blue Wire. And shortly after is when us here at the Uncontested got on. So I'm big fans. Really appreciate oh, you guys thanks. coming yeah, on. Man, we got a great team over at the Knicks Wall. You know, real, real quick, just to uh, give them a quick shout out there. You yes. Know, uh, head to the KnicksWall.com. We got like a full staff of, of writers doing like incredible featured work over there. You know, up to the minute, like news work. Uh, we got really nice like graphic designers. We got some merch coming out. We we just it's a good team. It's a strong family, much like the Blue Wire family. You know, we got we got a whole another one over there. So uh, I you know I don't know I don't feel like I need to keep my families hidden from each other at this point <laughs> with this, but. Uh... But yeah, it's good stuff. So if you guys could check that out, I'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys have some great articles I, I, I love to read and keep up with. And like you said, there's some great content coming out. Um, I always love your guys' uh, periscopes and things that you do post-game <laughs> and free, around free agency. So definitely give these guys a follow. So diving into the, the Knicks uh, this, for this coming season, just a quick recap of last season and then kind of what they have looking ahead uh, into this, this coming season. They're a super interesting team, obviously. A lot to, to really cover here <laughs> in, in like a 15 to 20 minute span. Yeah, it's been kind of wild. It, it's, it's, been a, it's been a wild summer for sure. It's been a roller coaster for you guys. Uh, the Knicks had an, an interesting season this past season. So they trade away Chris Sporzingis. They prepared for free agents for, for free agency this summer uh, of 2019. There was all the rumors about uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They finished the season 17 of 65, which was last in the East and also last in the league. But then the summer happens, and it's looking quite a bit different. So 
No, they did not add Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Sure which did. I know I know you guys over at the Knicks Law <laughs> were, were not super uh, happy to hear. However, they still had a big summer because of all the changes they made. So they used all that available cap space by uh, signing guys like Wayne Ellington, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, Alfred Payton, Julius Randle, which may arguably be, be their biggest signing, mm-hmm. uh, Reggie Bullock, and Marcus Morris. Uh, they obviously drafted R.J. Barrett, which was a, a huge. It's, it's kind of what you guys are hoping to be your next star, and I think rightfully so. I think he absolutely could be and has the potential. But these free agents, you guys signed them all on short-term deals with an option on the second year in order to maintain cap space and flexibility. Hashtag Giannis 2021, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> or whoever ends up coming out in 2020, we'll see. But yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's going to be kind of a, a weak class next summer, but um, you guys maintain some, some cap flexibility flexibility which i think is pretty big now you guys did lose deandre jordan luke Cornette, mario herzonia enos Cantor. we love enos here in okc mm-hmm. as i'm sure you're well aware uh, noah vonley uh, emmanuel mudier and i think those were i mean there were some others but i feel like those were probably the most prominent um is yeah, there any you think i left out ones. okay cool gotcha and then injury wise heading into this coming season knock on wood you guys are fairly healthy right now i know mitchell robinson's kind of been nursing some sore knees um, RJ Barrett. No news is good news on yeah, that one. Right. That's kind of the, that's kind of the, when I was doing some research, that was kind of the impression I got. And I think same for RJ Barrett. Hopefully you agree. Like, I guess he had a sore calf, but, um, that's why he wasn't playing in, um, the FIBA world cup with, with Canada. Uh, but that also could, could just be nothing more than an excuse not to play and just focus on the NBA season. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so there's no coaching changes or front office changes. Their salary situation. You guys are over the cap by about 3 million. But under the luxury of the luxury tax, excuse me, uh, threshold per B-ball insiders, which is a pretty good situation to be in, particularly with these flexible contracts I mentioned earlier. And then for next season, Westgate has the Knicks at 27 and a half wins, which is compared to 17 wins that they had last season. Quite the improvement. Now, I, I would say that may be a little low, um, and they might be expecting some of those guys to be traded, but we'll get into that here in a second. So that's just kind of a quick recap. So a couple of the questions I have for you. I want to get your opinion on all of that, Anthony. Let's start out with the the summer of the Knicks. Give me your thoughts. There weren't any trades, but give me your thoughts on the free agency signings and the draft that the Knicks had this summer. So, I mean, it, it really goes back to, like, the, you know, the draft lottery back in May even. I mean, I remember I was, like, hanging out with some friends watching the lottery, and I made them, like, hold on to my pair of Patrick Ewing sneakers just to uh, try to wish us some luck for the Zion contest. But That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, I was holding a jersey. I was, like, putting the sneakers in people's hands. But, uh, you, you know, it's it, – we didn't get Zion, which was obviously, like – it seemed like a lot of Knicks fans, as we tend to exaggerate just about everything – um, you know, everyone was pretty much counting on the Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Zion Williamson trio being the, you know, the next move in New York. And obviously no, we got none of those players, but RJ Barrett's a nice piece to have. You know, there's a lot to be seen about what he actually will develop into, but, um, you know, him, him as like a, a shooter still needs some work, how he fits around some of the other pieces on the team still needs to be. Uh, you know, the kinks need to be worked out there. But him as a passer, I think, is going to be really uh, interesting going into the season. But, you know, RJ aside, just really, you know, you know, when you get third overall and you got guys like you got a top three, like of Zion Williamson, uh, John Morant and RJ Barrett on the board. Like, really, if you're semantics aside, you can go with any one of them and, and it's going to do something for your franchise. Absolutely, and then watching him in summer league, I think, uh, particularly towards the end of summer league, there, he, right. like you said, he looked more like a facilitator rather than yeah. just a scorer, explosive. Like, and that's really exciting and promising. 
Which is going to be interesting on a team like ours where we don't really have that traditional pass-first point guard right now. You know, like Dennis Smith right. Jr. isn't really that. Frank Nielakina hasn't quite panned out. Um, you know, Alf- Alfred Payton's role on the team, you know, it's whatever. Like it's We'll see what happens with that. But the... Uh, you know, the, the signings itself, like, I, re- I was sitting on my couch, and, of course, I was waiting until 6 p.m. to strike on, on June 30th just so I can see that Kevin Durant puts up a thing. You know, and I followed the boardroom and did all of that. Right. Only for him to put up a thing that says he's going to be signing with the Brooklyn Nets. So, you know, and then, Ky- like, to me, the I knew Kyrie Irving was signing with the Nets as soon as they moved Alan Crabb a couple of weeks before that. And I was I've always been of the opinion that, I really only wanted Kyrie if Durant was going to come. Right. Kyrie, you guys probably dodge a bullet otherwise. Like, yeah. <laughs> Kyrie on his own like would be exciting, and I'm sure it would do a lot for you know actually going to Knicks games at Madison Square Garden and enjoying them. But long term, like Kyrie Irving didn't really do much for me. So then you kind of turned to Plan B, and I feel like how they executed Plan B was pretty optimal. Like. Right. You know, I, I, I was really questioning a lot of these contracts when they first started coming out, but we didn't really learn about the team options on most, if not all of them, until a couple, you know, an hour or so later, a couple of minutes after the signing was announced. And then, you know, I, I thought initially they were just giving these guys two, three-year contracts that were going to be, you know, just kind of like keeping us hamstrung. Like, I, I, that was really a moment when I started to lose faith with the uh, with the front, front office. office. Yep. But, um but yeah, overall, like I, the team options on these contracts like make them super tradable, um, so we can maybe recoup some assets on them, yo, know, a little bit down the line. And beyond that, I'm I'm pretty excited about the Julius Randle signing. He's a, he's a guy that I've had my eye on for a while, and initially it was because I thought that he would be, you know, a really nice match with Kristaps Porzingis, kind of. But you know, especially on defense with you know Porzingis and his rim protector role, and or and um, Julius Randle being able to kind of space the floor a little bit, but. Um, you know, he's still getting, you know, now we got Randall paired with Mitchell Robinson, which I think will be a, a really interesting fit together, uh, you know, both I offensively really like and defensively. Mitchell. I think he has oh, a lot of potential. And I know, a, yeah. He's right. a top prospect on the team right now. Maybe RJ Barrett aside, but like from the players coming into the season from last year, like he is definitely the uh, top piece there. And I have to thank you for that because we got that pick in the Carmelo Anthony trade. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we was a bowl second had round. our Phil Miller experiment. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did too. Don't worry. Yeah, that's, that's fine. It <laughs> seems like a common thing with Melo. Poor Melo. Yeah. So you kind of touched a little bit on this, but team depth, you know, you guys are pretty stacked right now when it comes to depth. Although it's kind of funny and we kind of joke around about it, you know, NBA Twitter and, and even on the uncontested podcast, you know, it's, it's a bunch of point guards and power forwards, right? Right. Plus Mitchell Robinson. Um, <laughs> however, it's still a very deep team. So touching on that and kind of adding this, uh, another question in here, I think that kind of goes along with that. You kind of, you mentioned this as well, like expecting changes throughout the season. There's a lot of guys that play the same position on pretty team friendly contracts. Um, they're like ultimate role players, maybe is the right way to describe that. So there'll be a lot of interest probably in like playoff contenders that will be reaching out to the Knicks to try and acquire some of these guys for a, at around the trade deadline for a playoff push. So do you expect changes? Do you think I'm wrong there? Um, and then kind of just touch on team depth as well while you're uh, while you're at it, kind of what you expect this team to look like moving forward. Yeah, so before we uh, before necessarily getting into the trade aspect of it, I, I think that the – I do agree that there are a lot of power forwards and point guards on this team. But I think that the part that's getting over – or that the part that's not really being considered about it is – 
a lot of these guys haven't been power forwards or point guards throughout their whole career. Like, we're playing with a lot of guys who play multiple positions here. And the, the biggest one that they talk about is Marcus Morris with his, right. you know, he's just That's like, a good point. after they sign, you know, Julius Randle and Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson, they go out and sign uh, Marcus Morris. And it's like, you already have a couple of power forwards on the team. You got like Kevin Knox, who you already want to get minutes to as well. Um, but when you look at it, like Marcus Morris has been a three most of his career. Uh, Bobby Portis is most ideal at the center position. He's going to be backing up Mitchell Robinson. He was going to see little to no, you know, power forward minutes. Taj Gibson is not going to be, you're not going to worry about him soaking up minutes. The dude is going to play 10 to 15 minutes a game. If that, um, you know, so I'm not so, so much worried about that. And then like Kevin Knox did not look good as a starter last year. Anyway, you need to bring him back to the bench to let him develop a little bit more. So I got no problem there. And then like beyond that, you know, Mitchell Robinson at center. And then as far as the point guards are concerned, Dennis Smith Jr. and Alfred Payton will probably compete for the point, the starting position. But I think that it'll end up going to Dennis Smith in the long run. I think he's just a better fit with who we project to have as our starting lineup. Um, and then you have you have RJ who's going to, you know, kind of go between the two and the three there. You got uh, Frank Nielakino, who frankly hasn't really earned his, his minutes at this point. I could see him being relegated to a, you know, deep on the bench this season. Uh, as much as I like him as a pick and like like his physique as an NBA player and what he could do on the court, like he just hasn't earned it. Um, and and you know beyond that, I feel like a lot of the rotation kind of works itself out. You got you know the the two guard position is kind of like it's stacked with good shooters, but you have guys that aren't necessarily going to demand a lot of minutes, like Reggie Bullock and Wayne Ellington, uh, Damian Dotson in there too. Alonzo Trier is where it kind of gets tricky on where you work. Oh, I forgot in. about Zoe. So he actually, yeah. oh, I'm sure you know this. I just doing research into him and stuff, but. Um, back actually around the time I was in high school, I believe he's like two years younger than me when it comes to age. And he uh, was on a, a private basketball team here in the Tulsa area called Noah. Hmm. Or I guess it was OKC area. And so we actually got to play against him a little bit. But oh, really? in doing so, yeah, which was what's crazy. Um, and, and I mean, he's an incredible player. Uh, but then we learned, you know, about his strong uh, relationship with Kevin Durant mm-hmm. and, and how, like, I guess when he was super young, he was on like the cover of a magazine with KD and all this and that. And so because of all those reasons, I was thinking like, oh, well, that, uh, there's another reason Kevin Durant wants to go to New York this summer because, because of Alonzo right. Trier. I mean, and that's <laughs> another thing to look at, too. Like the the Durant thing, there was like there was so much smoke with it. There was the Alonzo Trier thing. There yep. was a, him moving his like ventures uh, company or venture capitalist company into New York. Uh, you know, it was like a big sign and everything like that. No one really considered Brooklyn to be in play there. Everyone kind of just thought it was going to be New York and like. The DeAndre Jordan thing, you know, getting him in a trade was obviously uh, a ploy to try to attract Durant to New York. But, you know, I, if I for one, to get this out of the way right away, did not want that DeAndre Jordan contract that he got with the Nets. Like that, I don't think it's going to be a terrible so contract <laughs> with them, but God, I, he did not look good playing for us last year. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't think that was a, a huge loss at all. So I'm with yeah, you there. Um, but, but like, you know, like I'm saying, and like you were saying too, I do think that there will be potential for some trades i do definitely expect steve mills and scott perry to be exploring the trade market you know after december and into uh february here um i could see someone like bobby portis getting moved uh if someone wanted to take that contract i especially expect marcus morris to be moved um because he doesn't even have that team on uh team option in his contract like he just seems like the right kind of player who's going to slot into a you know uh, contending roster um julius randall i think is the only one who's really like safe from this uh stretch of uh free agent signings this summer and he's the only guy who got two years plus a team option at the on the third year 
everyone else is just one year plus a team option on the second. So that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Julius is one of those guys that you'd love to keep on your franchise. That makes right. sense. And he's 24. Like he mixes his age, like really matches with the other guys on the roster who might be skewing a little bit younger than him, but he's kind of like the old, the veteran voice in a group of young players, you know? So with all that being said, and I skipped over a, a James Dolan uh, bullet point that I have here, but we can, if we have time, we can touch on that at the end. But I feel like this is a good transition. Mm. Um, so kind of give me your projections for this team, like quickly, if you think they'll be improved, worse off, playoff bound, championship contender, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I want to ask you a couple more questions. But uh, just compared to last season, do you think this is probably an automatic upgrade? Yeah, I, I'd pretty much say no doubt. I mean, it's hard right. to it's hard to say that you're gonna get worse from a 17 win team, but um, I, I would say that these we have a little bit more experience for the younger players, and then some of our like some of the core that we hope to develop in the next couple of years is kind of starting to find their niche in the league and kind of find where uh, where they're gonna sit within the team. So, you know, that in itself I think lends to a couple of more wins. We have a you know much much better talent just on paper in general with rj barrett joining in and then we have julius you know, randall like we talked about right like julius yeah. randall coming in uh we have actual shooting on the team now where we didn't have last year with you know ellington and uh bullock coming in uh a full season of dennis smith jr on the team too i think it's going to look good because he got injured uh pretty much almost as soon as he got traded to new york last year um yeah and then and then you know like like we were saying there are redundant pieces i do expect some of them to get moved and some of the kind of kinks to work themselves out and some guys have to sacrifice some rotation minutes but overall i think just another year of these players like getting together playing without having the Kristaps porzingis distraction overhead the entire time um without having to worry about like having a mix of veterans or young players on the team like this is a team for these you know these under 25 players now and it's really about them developing so I, I, and then, you know, I feel like they have the right mix of, of veteran talent around them too. So I kind of expect this team to, I expect them to be a little bit closer to the 30 win range than I do the, um, you know, like 27, but I, I but I would honestly say, I think like somewhere between 27 and 32 is about how many wins I expect this coming season. I'm absolutely with you. And I think that, that Vegas over under right there uh, from Westgate, it's probably nothing more than just them expecting some trades to happen. Which uh, is totally possible to the line. Because I, I think you're absolutely, honestly, I would say if they were to keep this, this team together, they could push, especially in the Eastern Conference, like probably over 30 wins. I mean, not much more, but thirty-two wins. I don't think that's yeah. unreasonable. Yeah, so. I, I think they. I don't think they're looking to tank this year either, which is the other right. Thing. Yeah, which is not. Like yeah, they're, they're yeah. kind of done with that. It's you know, it's gotten them to where they've gotten it. They've got some other picks from some other teams now in the future, so they don't have to. It's not totally all in their hands. And plus, the other thing is, like we were talking about before, you know, if depending, someone might become available that they want to sign this year, so they so they you know decline all those team options. Or 2021, which is a much stronger class, like we were mentioning as well. It's like they they might just want to keep those players on contract for next year too, so they don't have to acquire any salary that might get in the way of them going after their next you know group of free agents. You know, yeah, 2021. Dur- yeah, Durant and Kyrie didn't work out, but if they can actually, I believe in our front office. I do believe in Steve Mills and Scott Perry, and I think that if they can, you know, keep the ship afloat for another two years, then they will actually have a. You know, a chance at some of these, you know, top tier free agents come twenty twenty one. 
Absolutely, particularly how they've constructed the team and the role players around them. So right. we're talking about expectations, and you don't have to answer all of these. These are just some examples, but kind of give me your expectations uh, for this team and and what – let me rephrase that. What expectations do you have for this team this coming season? And just some examples. Again, you don't have to answer all of these, but breakout players potentially, um, underrated players that people aren't really talking much about on the team. We talked about Zoe. That could potentially be one. Um, hot takes pertaining to your team just for fun, and then – you know, or even what do you think a successful, quote-unquote, successful season would be for your team? So as far as uh, breakout players are concerned, I think the one that I'm really looking at this season is Kevin Knox. And, like, to be fair, Kevin Knox had one of the worst rookie seasons in NBA history last year. But he also did have a month in there where he was rookie of the month. And, I mean, the you know, during that month, like, it, it was his shot was falling. He was getting inside a lot more. He was... You know, he was kind of doing the things you would expect from your kind of tweener, young 3-4. Um, but, you know, but then the rest of the season, it was, you know, his his three-pointer just wasn't falling. He was being really hesitant to get inside, which is a big problem that we've had with uh, Frank Nielakina as well. But, like, he just seemed to be afraid of the NBA bodies around him. But overall, like, his mechanics looked good. His shot looked very good. Like, he was... I don't, I don't, I don't really know exactly how to put it, but he was just everything about him looked good. It just didn't contribute to results. I would say everything about his shot looked good. The re- I think that if he just gets a little bit more aggressive, if he gets his, um, you know, he he gets just like a little bit of motivation under his belt. And he was tweeting something the other day about, uh, you know, his two K rating being seventy eight or something around there, and saying that you know he was going to get that higher this season and like. It's a silly thing, but I'm like, okay, sure, do that. Like, take some motivation. Right, yeah, use that as motivation, yeah. Right, especially with, like, how much forward depth that the team does have right now and everything. Like, he's going to have to fight for his minutes, and I'm hoping that, you know, that's going to be what he needs to do to kind of unlock some, uh, you know, some of what he brought to the table back in December. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, I I think he he that was the frustrating part, especially for you guys. He looked he looked really good when he would drive to the rim, but he was almost hesitant to. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think – he could also be considered an underrated player. You know, we've mentioned guys like Alonzo Trier, uh, Dotson. Uh, didn't, didn't you say uh, before we start uh, started podcasting, one of you guys wrote a pretty good article about Dotson? Yeah, uh, Quentin Haynes over at the uh, the Knicks wall had a piece come out like two or three days ago uh, about Dotson and Trier, actually, um, and just kind of where the uh, minutes are going to fall for them coming into this coming season. And, like, you know, when we talk about guys on the Knicks who might, like, break out, Dotson had that season last year where he, he you know, raised his scoring average from, like, I think it was something like three or four to, like, over ten points a game. But in the course of doing that, he knocked down, you know, three hundred uh, 36% of his threes, and he took, like, 500 attempts out there. So it's a, a decent enough sample size. And I'm looking at him, you know, I, I think that he's a little underrated coming to this season. I'm looking at him to be – kind of the glue piece in the starting lineup that you know we have a lot of guys who aren't necessarily great shooters on the team right now um i kind of look at him to be the piece that kind of allows you know dennis smith jr and rj barrett and julius randall and marcus morris all play together so you know and you know be the one guy that they can rely on on the perimeter to to really put the ball in when it's thrown to him yeah so absolutely you know we we talked about the uh, win over under but so even if it's not wins what do you think and what do you think knicks fans would consider to be a successful a uh, su- successful season for this this next team this coming season so really it, it's two things and the biggest one is player development the biggest one is you know we gotta we, you know, we're hoping that rj barrett is a stud and that he can have a breakout season pretty much from the get 
Um, you know, we're hoping to see more out of Dennis Smith Jr., you know, cause he, especially after him not being able to play much after he came to New York uh, last season. We're hoping to maybe salvage a little bit of Frank Nielakina's career, uh, you know, figure out if Alonzo Trier has got a place on the team. You know, all, all of these guys, Mitchell, where Mitchell Robinson goes, if he, you know, what his ceiling honestly looks like, because right now we kind of have no idea, but we think it's pretty high. Um, you know, all, all of these things that I, you know, those are the biggest things we want to break, right? And I think the other thing is, you know, David Fisdale has, didn't really have a lot to work with last season, but he didn't exactly do much with the, what he had, you know, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I want to see him, I want to see with, you know, some players who are, and again, we have a little bit of a hodgepodge at certain positions right now, but I want to see what he actually can implement. What, you know, because the Memphis grit and grind style, it was something he kind of, it, it, it preceded him in, in when he was in Memphis. So I want to see what an original David Fisdale rotation, you know, style of play looks like here. I want to see how he can make these players mesh together. You know, I, I think those are the two biggest things, seeing how this young core will develop together and, you know, what Fisdale actually can do with them. Yeah, absolutely. So just one last question that I have for you that I think will be kind of a fun note to end on here. And I think that kind of goes with what you're just touching on. You know, we already touched on the Vegas over-unders, so we'll skip over that. But the last question I have is I want you to hit me with three predictions for your team this year. And they can be team-related or individual-related. So for some just some examples, like uh, if I were talking to somebody from the Clippers, you know, is somebody going to win the MVP? Um, or you could ask, you could say, yeah, I think the Knicks are going to get home court advantage in the playoffs. Um, you could say, you know, I think Alonzo Trier is going to be the uh, be a starter at the end of the season. Something along those lines. Give me three predictions, uh, team or individual related, for this Knicks team coming right, moving so forward. Sticking with the Kevin Knox point, I think Knox knocks down. <laughs> Knox, Knox. Uh, <laughs> sorry for my childish mind here. Boom. Knox knocks down 35% of his threes this season. Um, I, like I that. think Mitchell Robinson averages. You know what? Fuck it. Mitchell Robinson averages <laughs> three points, uh, three blocks a game this season. And hey, that's not unreasonable. No, it's not. But, I, but, I mean, but it's it a big be, number. I get cool. it. It's a big number. <laughs> um, and then James Dolan throws out another member of the 90s Knicks team. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. That's a good last one. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Anthony, for sticking with me here. I know uh, you had your own technical difficulties, and I had my own oh, shortly yeah. after. So we're grinding through this one, but I think it turned out really well. We got some incredible content. I wish I had all day to talk to you uh, about Knicks and Thunder, so we'll have to link up soon uh, later in the season. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, guys, please be sure to follow Anthony uh, at Corbo Anthony. Be sure to follow their main Knicks Wall account at the Knicks Wall. Their podcast is at TKW Podcast. And like I said, you can find them on BlueWire.com. Uh, and be sure to check out all of our Blue Wire content. Um, like I said, I've, I've been a big Knicks Wall fan even before they were part of Blue Wire. Um, they were a part of Blue Wire before we even were. So definitely be sure to give them a follow, even if you're a basketball fan. So thank you again, Anthony. Yeah, uh, Taylor, you have anything else? No, that's about it. You got knocked it all down. Head to the nextwall.com. You know, follow me. I don't really care about my co-hosts, but you know, follow, <laughs> just follow me. And uh, that's really all you got to do. Follow Taylor too, because he's cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you again. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Absolutely. Take care, man. If shaving is a terrible experience for you, we've got you covered at Blue Wire. Our podcast network is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. 
Enough with the low-quality razors from convenience stores. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Sign up today. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure to go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. And now let's get back to our season preview interviews. Next one up is the Chicago Bulls with Jason Pat, the host of the Cash Considerations podcast. Enjoy. Hey, so now joining us to talk about the Chicago Bulls, we have Jason Pat. He's a contributor to bloggable.com, Bet Chicago, covers the Bulls for Forbes, and is the co-host of the Cash Considerations podcast. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Bulls underscore J. Hey, man, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. So, quick rundown of the Bulls. Last season... They ended the season 22-60. and 60. That was good for 13th in the East. Um, over the summer, they drafted Kobe White, 7th overall. They drafted Daniel Gafford, 38th overall. They signed Thaddeus Young, who was previously with Indiana. Um, Three-year, $41 million deal. They acquired Thomas Sadoransky in a sign-and-trade with the Wizards, which I believe included a couple of future second-round picks going out. Uh, okay, I'm going to screw the name up. They signed Ryan. We say the last name for me, dude. It's Ryan Archidiacono. Archidiacono. I am so glad I don't cover the Bulls. <laughs> Holy crap. Also signed Shaq Harrison and signed Luke Cornett. So overall, Bulls lost Wayne Selden, Brandon Sampson, Robin Lopez, Timothy Luawu Cabarro. They gained Kobe White, Thomas Sadoransky, Thad Young. Daniel Gafford, and Luke Cornett. They brought back Shaq Harrison and Ryan with the crazy big last name. <laughs> Salary situation, the Bulls are $4 million, about $4 million over the cap. Uh, nowhere near the tax line, though. And next season projected over under of 33 wins uh, based off those projections that would put them at 11th in the East next year and a 11-game increase from last season's win total. So, Jason, first off, can you just tell me a little bit about uh, all those players I just ran into and kind of the, the vibe around the Bulls as far as what their summer was like? Yeah, so last season was a disaster. As you mentioned, 22 wins. Uh, the Jim Boylan thing was a joke. Uh, they were basically a laughing stock last season and basically the last few seasons. The tide is kind of turning with the offseason that they had this year. Uh, the Thad Young signing, I feel like it's a great signing. I feel like that's been lauded just in general. Like you mentioned three years, $41 million. The third year's partial guarantee. Uh, I mean, just a solid two-way player. T- talking about rebuilding or establishing a culture, they just really haven't had one. It's been a culture of bad, mostly. Uh, so just a tough-minded veteran who can really who can be a leader, who can play both ends of the floor. Really nice signing. Tomas Sedoransky is probably going to be the starting point guard because the Chris Dunn thing just really hasn't worked out. Chris Dunn is still on the roster because nobody wants to trade for him, or at least no one wants to give up anything for him, and the Bulls don't want to just give him away. So he's still there, but I'm guessing Sedoransky is going to start. I'm kind of surprised that the Wizards kind of let him go for 
was three years, thirty million, not that expensive. But clearly, the Wizards have had their own problems. They're kind of starting over with their new front office. So a nice little get there. I feel like he's, like I said, I think he's going to start at point guard. Um, Luke Cornett, solid stretch five. Played with the Knicks the last couple years. Uh, will probably be their backup five. I, I would guess he'll he'll get more minutes ahead of Daniel Gafford uh, to at least start the season. Uh, we mentioned Kobe White, the draft pick. He struggled in summer league with his shot, but I mean he's a young point guard. I think he's going to take some time to come along. You got to be patient with him because I don't think he's going to start right away. I would guess that Aransky will start. Uh, Ryan Archdiacono with the crazy last name was actually one of the few Bulls' pleasant surprises last season. Just a real steady point guard. He's not going to wow you with anything. I mean he's little, just gritty point guard. He can shoot the three pretty well. He's a smart player. His assist to turnover ratio is really solid. So solid. Second backup, third point guard, whatever you want to say. And Shaq Harrison, they just brought back on a partially partially guaranteed deal. I would guess he'll end up making the roster. He was a really nice player as well last year. Again, more of an end of the bench guy, but brings hustle, defense. So just overall, like nothing's too flashy. Like the Bulls kind of took themselves out of being of like a big off season. They when they traded for Otto Porter in the middle of last season, they traded Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis for him. That kind of cut it in their cap space, but they still had enough to get some of these other guys. Get Thad Young, get Sadoransky. They just they've added some really solid solid players, solid veterans, guys who can play both ends of the floor. And just they needed they needed that depth. They need that veteran leadership and just solid basketball players because the last couple of years they just haven't had many good basketball players. And I think that's what they did. And as you mentioned, 11 game win increase with those over unders in Vegas right now. If you look at some of the other projections that have come out recently, uh, the Kevin Pelton's RPM projections on ESPN, the Bulls at like 39. I've seen some other advanced ones. I think 538 has them at 37. So I feel like there's a lot more optimism around the Bulls compared to just what they what they've been the last couple of years after the, after trading Jimmy Butler. Nice. So so you touched on this a little bit, but this roster seems to be stacked with point guards. Uh, you have Kobe White, you have Sadoransky, you have Shaq Harrison, you have Ryan. Uh, I'm not going to try to say Arch. It. <laughs> you have Arch. There you go. You have, um, you mentioned, um, oh my goodness, why did I just go blank? The kid from Minnesota that hasn't played well. Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn. That's like five point guards yeah. on roster. Do you see something giving with that uh, either before the trade line or leading up to the trade deadline? Yeah, I think the assumption right now is Chris Dunn will ultimately get traded. He's going into the final year of his rookie deal. They've been trying to trade him. I'm pretty sure Chris Dunn would like a new start himself. Uh, Casey Johnson, the Chicago Tribune, great Bulls, a longtime beat writer, basically said that they've been trying, they've been looking. They just there's really nothing out there, and that Chris has been, would like a new start. But he he said he w- would would be surprised if he's not if he's not traded. So yeah, I would guess he'll ultimately get traded. If he starts the year on the team, I mean, he can play minutes off the bench. He's a solid defensive player. So just as a starting point guard, the offense is just not there. He's just not not good enough to be a starting point guard from what we've seen. He's already 25 years old. Again, this is going into his fourth season. Contract year, maybe he'll be motivated at least. Maybe he can build up his stock a bit. But when you have Sadoransky there, a three, three-year deal, you just drafted Kobe White. You have Arch Diakono on a three-year deal. I just don't really see what Chris Dunn's future is on this team past this season, past this deadline, really. That makes sense. And so it seems like some of that, we talked about the the increased win total for next season, at least projected. It seems like a lot of that is focused on not only the acquisition, the, the drafting of Kobe White, but the young and incredibly promising front court that the Bulls have that I think a lot of the rest of the league is really high on. Uh, can you just talk about the vibe around those guys, kind of what Bulls writers and people who cover the team and fans kind of think of those guys and what their future may look like? 
Yeah, so I feel like a lot of people expected a big leap out of Larry Markin last season, and he got hurt right away. He had like an elbow injury. He was out, I think, almost two months. Uh, and he came back. He struggled a bit. He had a huge February. Him him and Zach Levine were both putting up like all-star numbers in February, and this, and that was the, the kind of guy that we were hoping. He was putting up, I think he put up like 25 and 10 or something like that in the month of February. Uh, and that was with that his three-point shooting wasn't even that great that month. But we saw, we saw more stuff off the dribble. We saw the versatile offensive game we were expecting. I don't think it's fair to expect 25 and 10 out of Larry Markin for a full season. We'll, he'll have games where he, where he struggles with the shooting, where he struggles against stronger guys. But I think a lot of ex- people are expecting possibly an all-star level season out of Larry Markin. And then Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, got hurt midway through the year, and he missed basically half the season. He had surgery this offseason to fix an issue that I guess has been bugging him going back a couple years, going back to high school. So we really haven't seen that much of them together. They were both both dealt with injuries last season. Uh, but I think a lot of people are pretty high on Wendell Carter Jr. too. Maybe not as uh, like a perennial all-star or anything, but really just solid player, solid two-way player. Uh, we saw flashes of his defense. I think one of the things we want to see a bit more of him is offense. We know he's pretty skilled in terms of passing, can dribble a little bit. I think he can shoot better than what he showed. I feel like he. I don't think he was really used properly last season, and it's tough when you're a rookie on a bad team and there was the coaching change. I think that just a lot of stuff got messed up last season. So now that he's hopefully healthy, now that both guys are hopefully healthy, I think we're hoping to see just them really use just their skill set. They just very versatile front court in terms of their offensive skills, in terms of guys that can that can shoot it from deep, that can do stuff inside as well. So I think a lot of people are pretty high on this front court. I know in this day and age, having two like legitimate front court guys is kind of not exactly the norm when teams are going smaller. But I feel like these guys are skilled enough where it doesn't matter as much. I guess defensively, you do kind of worry Lowry's defense isn't that great. But I think a lot of people are pretty high in this front court. And this is going to be a huge year for them. Lowry year three, Wendell coming back from injury year two. I think a lot of people have pretty high hopes for them. Very good. So let's shift from the the actual on-court basketball to the front office situation, uh, including the coaching staff, general managers. Uh, th- there has been some talk in the NBA just about kind of what direction the Bulls have been going in for like the past five or six years, uh, their decision-making process. I mean, from from a Thunder perspective, I even remember it back whenever somehow the Thunder got the Bulls to take Cameron Payne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we still got a second-round pick. Like, we were the ones getting the second-round pick, yeah. not sending it out. So can, can you just talk a little bit about um, the, the, the front office and if you're now starting to see more of a sense of direction and a purpose rather than just uh, what seemed to be maybe some, some questionable and short-sighted moves? Right, so basically I feel like the front office has been kind of under fire since Derrick Rose got hurt, and basically since then, a lot of the moves they've made just very questionable, and we go back to like, basically after the year Rose got hurt, and I think it was 2013 or 2012, and they they shaved some salary, they traded Kyle Korver for nothing, and that, that was like five, six years ago now, uh, and then like the, the Thunder move, drafting, dr- trading up to get Doug McDermott, and they traded Doug McDermott in that trade with the Thunder, yep. along with Taj Gibson, to get Cameron Payne, but then also giving away that second-round pick. Uh, some f- other failed draft picks in there, Marcus Teague, uh, Tony Snell didn't really work out. There Obviously, they also did draft Jimmy Butler. I think that was 2011, 2012. There have been some good draft picks in there, but a lot of really just questionable moves. Uh, and that, There was the three alphas thing with Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, and Rajon Rondo. That was kind of like, that like was the culmination. It was kind of like the last straw. A lot of people were just like, this is ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. And they trade Jimmy Butler to start their rebuild. A lot of people were, had questions about that as well. I feel like tra- trading Jimmy at the time they did 
was fine ultimately. I feel like they really weren't going anywhere, but that was also part, partly on them. They couldn't. Jimmy had just had a great season in that three alpha season, but the rest of the team was such a mess because they put a terrible team around him. The, the Wade and Rondo thing was ridiculous. It was stupid. So just like just the, the last, yeah, basically since Rose got hurt, it's been going on. They just haven't made that many good moves. Now I, maybe the tide is starting to turn. A lot of people still have questions about Jim Boylan, that, that coaching staff, because Boylan was a mess last season he did start to show some more signs towards the end of the season we'll see how he coaches this season now that he's gonna have a full training camp they made some pretty solid assistant coaching hires they hired Chris Fleming away from the Nets so a lot of people were hoping that Jim Boylan after when he came in and he instituted like a really slow it down old school offense that was just absolutely dreadful to watch now that they hired Chris Fleming they have this young team they have these players they should get out and run hopefully he'll play to that coaching style and, and do that while also hopefully improving the defense. So Jim Boylan's a huge, huge question mark here. And I mean, I feel like people have been calling for guard packs, John Paxson, guard Foreman's firing for a long time. I know I've done it. I've been very critical of them. I feel like if Boylan flames out, I mean, they really, again, they probably should be fired. Jerry Reinsdorf, I'm pretty sure, does not want to fire John Paxson ever. I think he'll, like, he'll have to quit for him to ever get fired. Gar Foreman maybe would be on the hot seat. Like if they if they are bad again this season, if I've mentioned we've talked about higher win expectations with projections stuff like that, if they flame out again this year and maybe if Boylan gets canned even though they just gave him an extension, I feel like that they would need a full uh, uh, full basically turnover in the front office. They've been around for so long, but it just never seems to happen. No matter no matter the criticism. No matter how mediocre the team has been recently, the front office seems like it's bulletproof. And they know it. Michael Reinsdorf came out and was talking about how they, they hear it from the fans, that that fans are not happy with this front office. Like The tide is slightly turned with this offseason this year, but they still got to show it on the court, and Boylan's got a lot to prove as well. Definitely. So, hey, let me leave with two questions for you. Right. Uh, one ties in kind of exactly what you were just saying there. The Vegas, back again, the Vegas over-under for the Bulls this season is set even at 33 wins, uh, puts them at 11th seed in the conference. So do you are you going to take the over or the under for that, um, both for the wins and for the seeding? Do you think they'll be higher or l- lower than 11th, and do you think they'll go over or under 33 wins? I am going over. I actually did write about this at... Bet, bet Chicago. Uh, I do think they're going to go over. Right now, I'm I'm thinking in the 35 to 37 range, which I think would also probably put them ab- above 11th as well. That would probably put them 9 or 10. I guess you never know with the Eastern Conference. But yeah, I think they're going to be close to a, fighting for a playoff spot, at least competitive for a playoff spot. I still think they're going to fall, wind up just short. Making the playoffs after what they did last year would be such a huge jump. I know it's not impossible. They've done it before in the, in the past. We've seen other teams make big jumps. But I do think they're going to make that big jump and get over that uh, over that over under. Awesome. Uh, last question: Hit us with three predictions for the Bulls this year. They by no means have to be hot takes. Uh, just three predictions. They can be team wide or player wide. Maybe if you think a player is going to get an accolade or something like that. But three predictions for what the Bulls are going to do this next season. Yeah. So I was on a recent podcast and they asked me just like give me one hot take. So I'll I will keep that one. I said somebody will get an all-star berth on this team. The all-star game's in Chicago. I would guess the most likely options are Zach Levine and Larry Markkinen. So I, one of those guys will be an all-star. Uh, God, other ones. I, I mean, I guess, like I said, I think the, Bull, it's, the Bulls, in terms of finish, I'll say they've, I, I mean, I already said I think 35 to 37 wins. I guess, I, I guess they'll finish maybe ninth in the East. I'll go with that. Um, and let's, I'll, 
I don't know. I don't know if this is a hot take, but I'll, this and this is probably all also wishful thinking. I'll say that I guess Kobe White, after struggling to start the season, will wind up as the starting point guard by the end of the season. I think that's wishful thinking, maybe on my part. I think they brought in Sadoransky to start for maybe at least one season, but I'm going to go ahead and say that Kobe White will at least be starting at point guard by the end of the season. Nice, I like it. I was I was pretty high on Kobe White coming in the draft too. I thought he was a really fascinating player, and he kind of fit exactly what the Bulls needed in a in a young point guard to build around. So should be good. Uh, well, hey, thank you so much for coming on, Jason. So listeners know where to find you. Uh, it's at Bulls underscore J on Twitter. Contributor to blogabull.com, Bet Chicago, uh, cover the Bulls for Forbes, and you guys can go download and listen to the Cash Considerations podcast, really anywhere you listen to podcasts, to get more in-depth, in-depth Bulls coverage. Uh, Jason, again, thank you so much. We appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. Same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get it checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. And now let's patch you over to the last interview of the day, which is with Brad Roland from Peachtree Hoops and Locked On Hawks podcast. Talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Enjoy. Hey, so this is Jacob and Justin, and we are now joined by Brad Rowland to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Brad is a contributor to Dime at Uproxx. He's part of Peachtree Hoops, and he's the host of the Locked on Hawks podcast. You can find him on Twitter. He's at BT Rowland. You can find his work at Dime Up Rocks. That's R-O-X-X at Peachtree Hoops and at Locked on Hawks. Hey, Brad, thanks so much for joining us today, man. It's my pleasure. Always happy to talk some uh, some basketball, even in, even in the dead time. It's always oh, fun to talk. It is so dead time right now. Like, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's let's chat about the Hawks. So last season, they ended the the season twenty nine and fifty three. That was good for twelfth in the East over the summer. So before we started this podcast, I went through and I I compiled like all the the transactions and who the Hawks lost and who they got, et cetera, et cetera. I knew they had a busy summer, but oh my God, like trying (laughs) to put all of this together. So, so Brad, I'm going to go over this and when I inevitably mess this up, uh, just correct me. All right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So they trade Tarian Prince and a future second rounder to Brooklyn for Alan Crabb, a 2019 first, and a 2020 first. They trade 
three picks in the 2019 draft um, on draft night. Pick number eight, which ended up being Jackson Hayes. Pick number 17, which ended up being Nikhail Alexander-Walker. And pick number 35, who ended up being Sylvia. Is that right? I think. Yes. Um, for pick number four to the New Orleans Pelicans for DeAndre Hunter. Uh, they also brought in, in that trade, Solomon Hill and a future second rounder. Uh, that night, they also drafted Cam Reddish with pick number 10. They traded Omari Spellman to Golden State in return for Damian Jones and a future second rounder. Uh, they then turned around and flipped Solomon Hill and Miles Plumley to Memphis for Chandler Parsons. They traded Jordan Bone, who I think was acquired in the New Orleans trade, and two future second rounders to Philly for pick number 34 in this past draft, which ended up being Bruno Fernando. They also traded Kent Bazemore for Evan Turner, signed Jabari Parker, and then brought back Vince Carter. Woo! Is that right? <laughs> it's, it sounds right to me. Uh, I appreciate all, all, all the effort going into uh, running on the, all those transactions. It was very, very busy for a while, and I think you nailed it. So good job. Awesome. <laughs> so so to recap for our listeners, because that's so much shit, it's hard to keep track of. <laughs> Atlanta lost Tarian Prince. They lost Kent Bazemore. They lost Amari Spellman, Miles Plumley, three 2019 first-round picks, and four future second-round picks. They brought in Alan Crabb, Evan Turner, a 2020 first rounder, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Bruno Fernando, Jabari Parker, a future second, and they kept Vince Carter around. So I, I think that's all accurate. Going into the season, uh, the Hawks are roughly $2.5 million below the salary cap, one of the only teams left with cap space. And for 2019 2020, this upcoming season, Westgate has the Hawks over under at 33.5 wins. That would put them at the 10th seed in the East. Uh, those projections have them eight games behind the 8th seed and last playoff spot, the Orlando Magic. So, Brad, after reading that freaking novel of everything that the Atlanta Hawks did, um, what are your thoughts on the, on the trades, the signings, all the, the, the draft, everything that the Hawks did over the summer, which was, like you said, incredibly busy? Yeah, I think it was a, um, you know, obviously, obviously busy is the easiest way to describe it, but I think it was sort of a mixed bag for me. Um, you know, the future is very bright for the Hawks, and that sort of uh, underlies everything because, you know, all of their, I guess, big ticket acquisitions came through the draft when they traded up for DeAndre Hunter. That was sort of a controversial move. But still, you know, they went up and got a guy who was highly regarded in this class, and they also got Cam Reddish that night and, and Bruno Fernando. So it was sort of a big draft haul, which is sort of in keeping with this Hawks team being future-facing. They're not trying to speed things up too much. They're taking their time with this rebuild, which makes a lot of sense, and that was sort of through that prism. And then in free agency, they didn't they, they didn't do too much. You know, Jabari Parker was the big signing, and even then, he's being signed to be basically the backup power forward. So there is there, there wasn't a big ticket item. They 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 had a ton of they had a ton of cap space. They didn't really use it on players they use it on assets taking on alan crab for instance to get a few to get a couple of first round picks um it was kind of just a kick the can down the road kind of summer um keeping things on track and uh, as a result of that it wasn't like an a plus summer it wasn't an f summer it was somewhere in the middle it was like a you know cc plus summer and that makes a lot of sense for where the hawks were and it kind of for me at least depends on what you think about the draft and you know the draft was kind of divisive but they got a couple of good players and that's kind of all you can ask for so you know this year they'll still be heavily reliant on 
on the three guys who are very interesting from their lot from last year's team, Kevin Herter, John Collins, and Trey Young. But you know, for the future, they have a lot of interesting talent. And um, you know, with that as the backdrop, they're kind of uh, sneaky interesting for this year, even if not necessarily all that much better than they were a year ago. So you obviously added a ton of players this offseason, but what about the players that you lost? Is there anyone in particular that kind of worries you as you look at the Hawks that you wish that maybe they had held on to longer than they did? Yeah, I think the guy who's actually the biggest loss in terms of on-the-court impact is Dwayne Dedman. Um, it, it made a lot of sense as to why the Hawks didn't want to pay him a ton of money. You know, Sacramento gave him a bunch of money, and you know he was very good the last two seasons. He was a, uh, a quality starting center, um, kind of under the radar for you – know, People didn't necessarily watch the Hawks. He was a uh, very, very solid player both on both ends of the floor. So I think the absence of Deadman is going to hurt them this year on the court, even if not signing him did make sense for where they are in their rebuild timeline because Deadman's kind of – he's not terribly old, but probably a little bit older than most of the core guys for this Hawks team. So, you know, and they, and they really didn't replace him very, very much. They had Alex yeah. Lynn, who had a nice breakout season last year as a backup, but they really didn't go out and get a, uh, a starting caliber center to replace Deadman. So I think if I had to circle one guy or one spot that they actually sort of downgraded over the summer, that was probably it. You guys just mentioned Deadman, and I thought, damn it, that's the guy I forgot to put on my list. I was just thinking, <laughs> I was like, I don't think we talked about Deadman. <laughs> well, now, so, well now, now we have. There you go. Yep. So, Brad, um, it seems obviously you mentioned that that the Hawks are in this rebuild. They're they're taking the slow route. You know they they are acquiring draft picks. They're using their cap space instead of sign players to absorb other teams' money in return for assets. But it seems like kind of the face of this rebuild and the face of this team moving forward is someone that here in Oklahoma we are very familiar with and uh, Trey Young. So can you just tell us a little bit about? how Hawks fans and, and people that cover the team kind of feel about Trey Young's first season, how what you think of him moving forward, and also kind of in that context of, I mean, he was he was traded for Luka, and is there some buyer's remorse there, or, or are people down in Atlanta uh, kind of content that they got Trey and, and not Luka? I think it was so going back to the draft last year. It was pretty controversial at the time. Um, I didn't love it, candidly, because um, I thought Luca was the best player in the draft, and uh, him sliding to number three, and then the Hawks passing on him in that way um, was definitely not uh, universally applauded. But w- with that said, you know, Young, I think basically outlasted any expectation that anyone could have had for him as a rookie. A lot of rookie point guards are bad. In fact, the vast majority of them in their first season are bad. Even guys who become very good, um, like De'Aaron Fox, for instance, who was had, had a really rough rookie year and then was suddenly awesome in his second year. Trey had that kind of uh, slow growth because he started off kind of slowly, but um, by the end of his first year really came on to the point where he was a second rookie of the year voting, obviously, and he was very, very good on the whole last year. I think that, that, that Trey does make a lot of sense in a lot of ways because if the Hawks, and I think this is what I've uh, heard repeatedly, is that the Hawks basically viewed those guys as similar prospects in the draft, and uh, they were able to get another what, what became the number 10 overall pick in addition to Trey Young. So if you view Young and Doncic as similar, getting another lottery pick makes that deal make a lot of sense. And I think you know, given what Trey was able to do as a rookie, basically averaging 19 and 8 on reasonable efficiency and really passing the ball at an elite level 
um, if you factor that in with the trade, it does make some sense. Even if you think Luca is a better prospect, um, or at least um, you know marginally better prospect, the deal still makes a lot of sense. And I think locally, his approval rating is very, very high. Trey Young is someone who's going to have to keep improving defensively. It's kind of an adventure right now, but yeah, he yeah. is uh, very, very talented. He's electrifying to watch, and I think um, he's sort of the engine of this offense. And really, as a result of that, sort of the face of the franchise right now, I think the Hawks are okay with that. So we know that the Hawks have been kind of going through this rebuilding process. They've got a lot of young talent on their team. In addition to to Trey Young, you know, you've got Kevin Herter, John Collins, the new additions of Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. I think you can definitely see that there's a lot of uh, building blocks here. So what are your feelings about the front office and kind of the direction of the Hawks right now? Is it do you think they're they're on the right track as far as this rebuild goes or do you think there's something that they're missing? They're certainly on the right track. I really appreciated what Travis Schlenk did as soon as he got here, kind of tearing it down immediately. Uh, the Hawks probably waited a year too long to rebuild, um, but that was not that was sort of the previous regime when Mike Budenholzer, um, who's obviously a great head coach, was also the sort of de facto GM president of, of operations, and he didn't necessarily want to rebuild because coaches don't like to rebuild. Um, but when they brought Travis Schlenk in, he sort of executed this plan pretty quickly to tear it all down, and you know they, they did it in a way that wasn't embarrassing. You know they weren't very good the last two seasons, but at the same time they were still you know fairly competitive. And now they're turning the corner a little bit. They have really interesting young talent. They have a five-man young core with young Collins, Herter, um, DeAndre Hunter, and Cam Reddish. That's really really interesting. For me, they're going to need to get some more talent down the line to reach their goals, but they have a ton of cap space. Uh, next summer, it's about $75 million or so, and the oh following summer gosh. could be more than that. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that because it's not, not not the greatest time in the world to have cap space. It's going to be kind of a rough free agent class, but um, you could certainly use cap space on, on other things too. So I think the future is very bright. You know, it's not going to necessarily right now a championship core, but when you, when you factor in the young talent combined with the flexibility that they have, um, it's kind of hard to argue against them as a pretty intriguing friend. So you mentioned a lot of those young guys uh, aside of Trey Young, because I think we all see the potential in Trey. Like you mentioned, his a lot of people really valued his his deep shooting, especially coming out of OU. But he's like, like you said, he's an elite level passer already in the league. So keeping him to the side is kind of the outlier from the rest of the young guys. You've you've seen some of them already. Some of them are, are rookies just now coming in, like Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. Which of those young guys do you think has the the highest ceiling, the highest potential um, over the next few years? I think it's definitely Young. And then a- after Young, I think John Collins is probably second in terms of uh, just ceiling-wise. Uh, Collins was already very, very good last year. In fact, um, only nine guys in the NBA averaged 19-9 and nine last season, and Collins was on that list. Um, it's kind of an arbitrary endpoint, but at the same time, like he's really he was really impressive as a 21 year old last season. I'm not sure what the defense is going to be like for Collins, and that's honestly the biggest question for me on the whole team right now. With the two best players right now on this on this roster, Young and Collins, who are both poor defensive players, that could be kind of a challenge moving forward. But Collins, upside wise, I think uh, is number two on my list, and I would, I would probably follow that up with with Hunter just because they invested him uh, and invested heavily in him. I'm not sure he's ever going to be a star, which is why I'm putting him behind Collins. Uh, despite him being a top five pick, normally top five picks you would you still associate it with star power, but 
they're really they went up to get him for the safety and the way that he fits with this roster. Hunter is that prototypical, you know, three and D role playing, um, big physical wing player that every team needs around the NBA, and that he's what he profiles as not not necessarily an, a number one option offensively or anything like that, but someone who's going to be a good defender, knock down shots, and they kind of just needed that player. So um, I think Young is pretty clearly the best prospect, followed by Collins, and then you get into sort of the morass with uh, with Hunter and Herter and Reddish. All of those guys are talented, but they're not quite on the same level as the other two. So outside of those guys that that you mentioned, who do you think is the most underrated player on the Hawks, the guy that's kind of flying under the radar? Ooh, I, I think it certainly would have been Dwayne Dedman last year. Now that he is gone, I, I'm not really sure, honestly. I think it, it probably – Underrated, I would. It's either it's either Kevin Herter, um, just because he's sort of the guy who's forgotten a lot, in spite of being a young guy. If, aside from the, just the pure young guys, I would say Alex Lynn. I think Alex hmm. Lynn was kind of forgotten uh, as a former top five pick in Phoenix, yeah. and kind of languished there. Um, he's not necessarily outstanding, but he was someone who overachieved his expectations last year. He's gonna be the starting center this year. I'm not sure. He's going to be a great starter, but someone who is definitely a quality rotation piece. He's just a massive human being. He's like seven two and he can right. shoot threes and defend the rim. And he's he's, just, he's he's definitely a role player, but someone who I think people just forgot about. And even in Atlanta last year, he was a supporting piece. So um, he's you know former I guess former quote unquote bust that really isn't a bust anymore. Like he's not going to be a top five pick in terms of just the way that he's going to be playing around the NBA, but someone who can certainly fill a role for you and be a solid NBA player. Awesome. So, hey, Brad, earlier we mentioned that the Westgate odds for the Hawks this season are 33 and a half games, which puts them at the 10th seed in the conference. Um, so hit me with your prediction now. Are you taking the over or the under on the wins? And then are you taking the over or the under on the 10th seed? I think the win total that you mentioned at Westgate is like spot on. Um, you know, that's that's sort of a cop out answer. But, you know, the, uh, as you as you guys probably know, those win totals come out sort of uh, they trickle out over a period of a few weeks. And I saw as low as thirty one and a half and I saw as high as thirty six. Um, thirty six felt too high. Thirty one and a half felt too low. And thirty three and a half is right in the middle of that. It feels about right to me. I guess if you ask me to just pick one, I would take the over, but only slightly. I'm going to have them for about thirty four wins this year um, just because, you know, they have some upside beyond that. I do think that with the young guys, if you get that internal growth, that can really help you. But um, sort of on the market. Margins, losing Deadman, losing Baysmore, uh, even losing Prince, they could be downgrading some other places. So, all that to say, I think I, I, t- I take the over, but very narrowly. I would not bet on it, <laughs> just for instance. Um, tenth place, I'm going to say that's about right too. I, I think I'm going to say exactly tenth. Honestly, okay. with what with where my projection is going to be, if they were to go up or down, I'd probably stay down to eleventh. I think I like the Bulls as much as the Hawks. Um, without getting too deep into that, I, they'd be the team that I, they'd be battling for for tenth place. I think on the uh, on the pecking order. So, I'll say thirty four wins and tenth in the East is about right, which means Vegas is uh, usually smart. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, last question I have before we let you go. Um, hit me with three predictions for the team this year. They can be, they don't have to be hot takes by any means, but they can be team related, individual related, um, awards, accolades, positioning, whatever. Uh, just, just leave us with three predictions that you have for the Hawks going into the 2019, 2020 season. Hmm, Okay. Let's, I'm going to say, um, at least one of Collins and Young will be on, will be on the all-star team in the Eastern conference. Um, I think it might even be both of them if they if they were Ooh. to play well early on. I wouldn't I like project that. both of them, but I think at least one of them is going to make it um, just because of their numbers and the way they're, they're going to be relied upon. Um, they're going to make a trade 
in season that's going to take on money for next year, which is not not necessarily a sexy prediction. But when you have 70 plus million in cap space, people are going to recoil if you use some of that during the season. I think because of the market, they're going to do that and take on some long-term money, whether it be to get assets or because they find a player that they want for the long-term that's available, and then go ahead and trade for that guy in season. I think they're going to do that as well. And then, hmm, I will say, this is not even really a hot take at all, but DeAndre Hunter makes first-team all-rookie. Okay. I like all three of those. Those are nice. Um, the 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 two making the all-star team feels a little hot take-ish, but I'm into it, man. I'm here I, for I wouldn't it. Pick, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pick both of them again. I think one of the two is going to make it. Um, yeah. Two is not insane to me, though, which I wouldn't uh, If I had to do one just blazing hot take, that would be it. But I think uh, <laughs> I am actually pretty comfortable with one of the two making it just because of the way the East breaks down. Yeah, yeah, very good. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the West, people are going to be, like, clawing each other's eyes out to yeah, get they, the All-Star they, would, they wouldn't make it in the West, probably, but uh, yeah. they are in the East, which is nice. Awesome. Well, Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, you guys can follow Brad. He's on Twitter at BTRoland. Uh, he's also all over the place on Twitter besides his own handle. He's contributing at Dime Up Rocks at Peachtree Hoops. You can listen to him on the Locked On Hawks podcast at Locked On Hawks. Uh, Brad, again, thank you so much. And we uh, maybe we'll chat with you again here whenever the Thunder play the Hawks in the regular season since uh, since we have that nice little Trey Young connection here. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Happy to do it anytime you guys uh, asked me to do it. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Take it easy. And that'll do it for our first season preview podcast. Really hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Also, again, just special shout out to Anthony Corbo of the Knicks Wall, Jason Pat of Cash Considerations, and Brad Rowland of Peachtree Hoops and Locked on Hawks for coming on with us. Uh, They're awesome dudes. Again, go give them a follow. uh, Follow their, download their podcast, follow their podcasts. You guys can expect a Thunderpod from us. In the next few days, we're going to try to drop those midweek up until the season starts. From there, you can expect a lot of podcasts a week because we're getting back into the post-game podcast run. So we have that coming up. You guys enjoy the rest of your week. Next Monday, we will have another preseason preview for you. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure you subscribe. You can find us anywhere you download your podcast. We are on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. And Blue Wire, our podcast network's on Twitter as well, at Blue Wire Pods. Take it easy. As always, thunder up. Annie had an earache on a Saturday of all days. So her mom brought her to Minute Clinic at CVS, where you can see a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials like pain relief products, all in one visit. Even on evenings and weekends, you can even see us online with telehealth options. For quality, affordable care on your schedule, visit Minute Clinic at CVS. That's healthier made easier. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details.